for listening to the Folk Podcast. If you would like to become more involved with the Wisdom of Odin community, please think about donating to Patreon. At the lowest tier, you gain access to our community Discord. Uh, the next tier, you gain access to live streams. And of course, at the final tier, you gain early access videos, as well as your name in the end credits for all Wisdom of Odin videos. Thank you so much for watching, and thank you so much for whatever support you're able to provide. Hello, my name is Jacob, and I am a Norse pagan, and welcome to episode 41 of the Folk Podcast. And yes, you still have quiet, Jacob, as I'm trying to appease my German overlords as I'm here in Munich, Germany. Um, so in episode 41, we're going to be discussing a topic that, I mean, quite frankly, it's the most popular video on the Wisdom of Odin YouTube channel. So it's something I wanted to roll over to here to both bring in, um, I have Shurd and Ian with me today, to bring in what they felt and their thoughts, and then expand upon it in myself as well. And uh, I'm talking about five things I wish I knew before becoming a Norse pagan. It's my most popular video. It almost has 200,000 views, which is amazing. I'm so glad that people have really uh, attached that video. I had no idea, as many YouTubers do, when they go and make a video that actually blows up. You usually don't expect it. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm glad it was that video. Um, so that's definitely why I want to talk about it today um, is to kind of expand upon that. And I mean, I've made that, I think, eight months ago. So also sharing what I've learned. Um, but I asked uh, Sherd and Ian to kind of think about things they wish they knew before starting this Norse pagan path. And of course, we'll, you know, be, you know, continue the conversation and see what we all think. Uh, but Ian, let's go ahead and start with you. What is one thing you wish you knew before becoming a Norse pagan? I mean, it's one thing that you kind of touched on on your video as well is honestly just the amount of like research and reading that you have to do um i mean even still now like my collection of books and and just just learning tools has grown even more and more like my amazon account has hundreds of dollars worth of books that i need to like eventually burn through and get and then having and uh people discover even more ways to find information on the path uh, altogether through like the Library of Congress has a tremendous amount of actual like, res like uh, resources and books because they have a copy of at least one, one of every book essentially that has been ever published. So there are a lot of things on Norse paganism that you wouldn't really think about. So, you know, even through that, like I've been learning more and more and I'm finding more stuff that's you know, very old too, as far as when it was written. So yeah, I would say the number one is still books and the amount of learning that this path takes or requires of you. How many books do you think you own on Norse paganism alone? Uh, let's see. I would say close to 15 to 20 that are strictly Norse pagan. And then I would say like maybe another five to 10 on things that are somewhat related or like they are a branch off of things that I wanted to explore based off of, you know, more of like a physical practice of whether it's um, some more of the shamanistic stuff or if it's, you know, things that made me want to do more of like a, a crafting aspect, whether it's like with talismans or things like that. So I would say strictly Norse Pagan, I would say close to 20. And then overall with the little extra bits and pieces, I would say probably about another five to 10, I would have to actually look because I haven't scattered throughout my entire house. 
Estrada, what about you? I, I don't think I actually know what's in your, your library, so to speak. What do you got? Uh, as far as Norse pagan books specifically go, I probably got about 10. I, most of mine are digitally because I'm not just, it's easier to keep up with that way. Um, and then I have a few other sub tiers and then I have just, I buy random books. Like some of them are weird. Like I know we talked about last week, that one book I bought the become oh, a living the, god become book. a living god oh my goodness yeah and then like <laughs> so i buy the cult weird things like that just you know because i find it interesting and a lot of them are really beautiful looking books but other than that that's about it but the, the researching it never stops you can come upon one topic and then lead you to like seven other topics oh um, yeah for sure yeah, Troy in the Discord, he's really good about finding old books and everything like that, um, or researching topics that you think you can't find nothing on. Usually, has helped me get several different books, or at least things that were written on subjects. And it's just amazing how detailed that you can go down some of these rabbit holes in. I remember when we um, first did the, uh, like the first re overhaul of the discord after like, you know, the first six months or so we were like, okay, we need to like rearrange it and stuff like that. So we took it offline. And the one thing people requested, they were like, save the library section because um, of all the different links of people pushed in there. I mean, I forget who put it in there, but someone put in their own personal Google drive and it was like, like a hundred books in there all digitally. And a lot of them I'd never even seen before. Um, so shirt also to roll back to you two things one i like that shirt on you that's that yellow shirt looks really nice um but also do you have something you want to roll into as far as something you wish you knew before becoming a norse pagan uh, thank you um and the one thing that i would say i wish i would have known before becoming a norse pagan is everything that i thought i knew was wrong <laughs> and that's you know i think a lot of people are like that you, you see the thor movies or the comics and you start dabbling a little bit into the mythology. Even if you know some of the mythologies, you think that you know something and it turns out you don't have a clue when you really start deep diving into it, like with Thor or Odin, uh, and you really get to know the gods or know some of these deities you work with. That was really astonishing. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, when I first started, obviously being an Odin guy, starting the wisdom of Odin, I really never expected to be working with Freya. But, you know, I think that's one of the beautiful things of this path is it's going to be unique to you. It's going to be unique to your journey, your, you know, the time in your life. I mean, we're all barely for Ian below the age of 30. Um, but, you know, we're still very young. You know, even if we live to only be 50, we still have basically twice our life left. And most of us, you know, just now getting the Norse paganism in the last 10 years or so, you know, that's pretty amazing that we're going to have such a long journey ahead of us when, in, you know, so many different twists and turns. And, you know, what I thought about Norse paganism, you know, day one is completely different than what I thought of now. I mean, there's still some things like the bread and butter, the backbone that is the same, but, you know, the, there's so much that has also changed within my own thought process of everything. Oh, definitely. And for sure, it's going to change as you get older and your practices and more, you work with more and more gods and deities so yeah, and then like oh god yeah. no you go ahead i was going to move on to the next thing so Ian, go ahead yeah. yeah yeah i was just going to touch on a little bit like yeah like as you kind of as you branch off and start diving into more like obscure things or like start interacting with deities that we don't know that much about like i feel like that that research and 
that seeking of knowledge kind of increases as well. So like now you, you can dive deeper into like texts and or you reread things and try to interpret them in a, in a in a certain way that might actually make a little bit more sense or like you reread something and you're like, oh, this means this or like this is this, you know? So it's, it's interesting as the experience comes, you also kind of see things a little bit differently through books that you've already like already previously read. Oh yeah, I mean, um... So, and, and this will be a good transition as well from the books thing, because books are very important, but something that I've learned along the way is books are not everything. And I can't remember if I said it in a podcast or if I've said it in a Loki video, I, I do so many things now I can't remember, but regardless, this is something that's been come very important to me. And something I, I like to give as advice is remember that books really aren't everything. You have to go out and have your own experiences. Um, I think it was, maybe it was in the Odin one. I can't remember, but like, yeah, I mean, it's very important to, um, you know, yes, read about the runes but then actually play around with the runes and see what you figure out okay it's great to read about odin but actually go give an offering to odin um and so i think that's something that a lot of people struggle with and they first get into it is that it is such a heavy book learning thing and it is the religion with homework um but i think you know actually you know going out and practicing what you read is something that i wish i did a little bit earlier um you know i feel like i was in this weird like two-year research phase where i barely practice i just kind of researched and you know said i was a norse pagan but wasn't really living it yeah i think a lot of us fall into that when we first come into the religion because we're wanting to study and read and and really are so absorbed into the the knowledge and the lore and the gods and uh we uh can lose ourselves in that and like you said books aren't everything even, even what you're researching and stuff is all about practice. And I know Ian, you could probably come in and tell them more about some of the things, you know, really applying what you've learned. Like you said, with the craft books and stuff like that. Yeah. Cause I mean, that, yeah, what practicing what you actually read and stuff like that is definitely a, a big thing that I also wish I kind of, I had practiced early on as well. Cause I did something very similar to you, Jacob, where it was primarily just, I was reading about everything. And, but like, I didn't fully put it into an actual physical practice for, you know, the first few years as well. Like it was, it was cause it was, I didn't really know how to, or like, I didn't really have like a, a really good guide as to like, how do I really actually like implement this stuff into an actual like physical practice? Um, you know, cause we don't really necessarily have anything that obviously we don't have like a definitive like holy book you know but yeah as far as like putting things into practice like yeah it's it takes time and like what i feel like once you figure out how to kind of really start physically doing things and like whether it's doing offerings or um setting up like an altar space or something like that i feel like once you start to feel comfortable in doing that and kind of like getting that groove it makes things, it opens up a lot more doors because then you feel a lot more comfortable in what you're doing with the practice and it almost feels a little bit more real, I would say. Because you can read things in book all you want, but like you can only get, you get only so much from what you read until you actually like sit down and make a very like basic offering or just set up an altar space or a sacred space or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, and yeah, like with me, with a, a lot of different, there's a lot of different hobbies, so to speak, that I have kind of branched off into trying to do because of certain things that I read or like they have interest me or like a certain deity will kind of like, you know, I will want to 
honor a, a specific deity by doing a specific thing, whether it's growing plants or making certain crafts or et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, so, I agree. I think that's a big thing that I wish I knew or I had practiced a little bit more early on. So just because you you brought it up a little bit with the the altar spaces, um, you know, I'll go ahead and roll into this as well as one of the things I had written down is um, something I wish I put in the the five things I wish I knew is don't give into the materialism of being a Norse pagan um, because and I think this definitely come, definitely comes from the uh, Instagram community a lot. Um, I maybe probably in the Facebook communities as well, but Instagram is really bad about this. Is the moment you start searching Norse pagan, the moment you start searching heathen or Asatru, you get berated with all the different companies out there, all the different you know like necklaces, mjolnirs, rings, meat horns, axes. I mean, all of your advertisement becomes Norse pagan, which is cool. I mean, it's like usually it's like wow, you know, I like seeing that. Kind of advertisement over you know the generic crap but at the same time there's still a lot of generic crap out of there um you know i highly recommend finding a craftsman to make your things find someone in the community who is actually norse pagan um you know actually practices the faith or at least has a deep respect for it you know i've done an interview with uh, the guy that runs vol here um and he does all of his own graphic design he handles all the printing and he's not a norse pagan but he has a deep like affection and respect for norse paganism and uh you know i i respect that so i would definitely buy things from him um or taryn from descended from odin he's actually a norse pagan um you know and i love their designs and he always makes sure he, you know he's really big on environmentalism um so you know definitely do your research I mean, there are so many generic crap pagan merchandisers out there. I mean, I've had several reach out to me to try to get me to actually do, you know, marketing for them on the Wisdom of Odin. And the first question I always ask them is usually, okay, well, thank you, you know, for being interested in wanting to market through the Wisdom of Odin, but are you actually pagan? And then, you know, I find out these people have not, you know, no interest in Norse paganism at all. And they're, you know, getting all their stuff basically cast molded from China and sent over. And it's like, well, I'm not going to support you then. <laughs> No, I definitely agree. That's one thing that I constantly will, uh, I'll say this till the day I die, as far as advice goes to new people, like people that are new to the faith is, yeah, exactly. Don't spend, you know, like hundreds or thousands of dollars on stuff to make your altar look like it's something worthy of an Instagram post. Because yeah, you, you know, I follow some of those individuals, um, you know, that have these very aesthetically pleasing altars. And I can, I can kind of tell by, you know, the kind of things that they actually have on their altar spaces, whether or not it's been purchased or found or gifted or made. Um, there's one individual, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but she essentially has like an altar like shed um, where it's a small like little shed that she has repurposed to be a full on altar room. And like she has posted like, progression pictures of like this is how it started and then like I only had this much stuff and then as she's gotten deeper and deeper into her practice which has been over you know several decades it's now basically like the equivalent to like a witch's hut that you would find in like a fantasy game or like a Disney story kind of thing um you know and that's the that's the beauty of it is years of of doing the practice and and going to like with like going to gatherings, for example, I mean, people bring gifts all the time. You know, a lot of the stuff that I have is either found at gathering locations or it's gifted by individuals or like things that I have found on, you know, trails that I have walked or et cetera, you know, like 
bones are a big thing. Like I have a ton of bones sitting. In Literally my have a gift of a like a like a wolf chewed bone for you, like waiting for you the next time I see you. Oh, uh, yeah, very nice. See, yeah, exactly. Found, so that's a, yeah, oh, me ahead. and Casey found it um, on our last trail through Kentucky before I left for Germany. Um, like, oh, okay. Yeah, I looked look down. It was like on this really magical stream, and I looked down, and like, yeah, the entire bone is like gnawed by like wolf teeth or something like that. And I was like, oh, I gotta get to see Ian. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like that's the thing, exactly. So, like to me, stuff like that that you find that is whether it's a gift from, you know, from friends and individuals in the community or a gift from the land, like. You know, I, on my last little adventure that I did out in the Lincoln National Forest here in New Mexico, I found uh, in weight, I haven't counted the actual amount of bones. I should probably do that. But like weight wise, it's probably like 30 pounds worth of cow bones of various sizes and, and everything like that, that I just happened to find on the trail. And it was just, you know, I had thanked the land for letting, you know, keeping me safe on these trails. And it wasn't until I started walking back from the trail because there was hail starting to come in that I happened to notice the first vertebrae. And I was like, oh, awesome, thank you. And then like, as I kept walking, I was just started noticing it and I just happened to look and there's just a scatter of bones and I just kept finding more and more of them. But like that stuff will be turned into something whether it's gifts or altar pieces and things like that. And that will mean so much more to me than say if I had bought, you know, just, random stuff off of Amazon or like what you were saying some of these websites and stuff like yeah there's some things that like I can understand buying like there are some like uh some of my offering bowls like I, I like the, the small copper ones that I have bought from uh you know like metaphysical shops and stuff like that but to me that's you know unless like I actually make something or somebody gives me something like that like those will remain there and that's you know like there are things that you are going to buy that you may not necessarily like I don't know, they might not be like a like super high quality, but I mean, you have to start somewhere or you have like a certain aesthetic that you enjoy. And for me, it's like those little copper bowls, offering bowls. I love those things. But yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a huge thing that a lot of people need to really like take a step back and think about when starting out is not getting sucked into that uh, Viking aesthetic uh, vacuum that it is cool it is cool it is cool yeah it's cool <laughs> but don't get stuck in it yeah that's why it's, it's popular right now to. yeah i mean it's very easy to i mean like you say ian you look on uh instagram or jacob you know instagram facebook or you know even video games like whenever i think of an altar at halftime i think of the skyrim how the enchantment table was set up uh -huh. in skyrim you know that'd be a cool altar to have uh but, you know, like I look over at mine and mine's a stone, like the base of it's a stone that someone gave me from the community and all of it's full of gifts, even including the God statues that I have on there. My brother got me the Thor one, you know, it's just, it'll build itself over time. So sure, since we already have it passed on to you, um, do you have another thing you wish you knew before starting this path? Yeah, it's, you know, the way I look at nature, honestly, has changed, you know, I, used to whenever i was a christian minister and stuff like that like nature wasn't a big deal to me like i worked in the woods and i still work in the woods and i've noticed a big change in how i i look into nature and how i do things in nature crazy enough as that sounds you know i used to i just get up and i wouldn't really enjoy the presence of like the woods waking up around me because you know i get there before at 
sometimes before dark or right before daylight and you could hear you know the crickets and the the deer and like other animals just really starting to come alive with the sun and i used to not think nothing of those moments honestly that's, now, that is my favorite time of day like if you can actually get up early enough for that like right when the dawn sun comes over i mean like you said that's when the world comes alive it is a really beautiful time yeah and that's one thing I've noticed differently is how much more I enjoy being in the nature and how much more I appreciate it. I, I agree with that. Like I actually had a conversation with um, a couple of members of the community at one of the gatherings not that long ago. Um, and we were just kind of, we were just looking at a tree. Like we were just, we just came across like a really nice, a really nice tree. You know, we had, we were standing near like a clearing and all three of us felt you know, gravitated towards going towards this one specific tree. And we were just sitting there like appreciating it and just looking at it, like really looking at it. Cause I mean, you pass trees all the time and it, we just kind of came to that realization that, you know, you pass these things, you pass, you know, trees and nature all the time and you don't really think about it. But like when you really sit down and like stop and like appreciate the world around you, it opens things up to you know to you you know looking at like the, the design on the bark you know is going to be different on trees the way that the grooves and everything's depending on the tree you know the leaves and everything the branches uh you know just small things like that i know i've i have noticed and grown to appreciate more and more um you know i've always i've always relatively appreciated nature but not in the same way i think uh, growing up in minnesota was you know, a huge advantage because there is still a lot of nature out there, especially where I grew up. It wasn't necessarily a big city. Um, and I grew up, you know, during the summertime staying at my grandparents' lake cabin the entire summer. And for the most part, I was the oldest one that was, you know, able to be there the entire summer, whereas like my younger brother and my cousins and stuff like that weren't really mature enough, so to speak, to be allowed to stay there full time without like their parents and be okay for like, you know, I would wander the lake shores unsupervised all day. The woods that were in that area, I would, you know, run around unsupervised all day because my grandparents knew that I wasn't really, I wasn't dumb. Like I wasn't going to get myself into trouble potentially. They still did, but not to the extent, you know, but because of that and being essentially alone you know, all day in the woods, I always, I always had like a deep appreciation for nature, but now I'm like my perspective for it or like my appreciation has increased or changed slightly. Like I'm a, I just look at everything a little bit different. I feel like if I had that mindset that I have now back then, I would probably be a, just a hermit in the woods. I probably would have fully committed to just like, nope, society is not for me. I'm just going to be a hermit. I'm just going to live somewhere in, in the, some random woods and just completely disappear oh yeah i mean um i was just thinking because uh, my nieces are visiting my parents right now and my nieces are getting pretty pretty old like my one uh one niece the oldest is about to turn 15 and the other one i think is 13 and so they're getting to the age now where i can finally corrupt them as the uncle i should 
Um, so I've debated, I mean, I don't necessarily want to become pagan. Like that's not my goal, but like, I want to, you know, like, you know, show them the lifestyle I live, um, and, you know, and see what they learn from it because they, they've really not had that experience. They don't go hiking, you know, they don't understand what hiking is. They don't understand what respecting nature is, you know, and, you know, it's nothing against my sister. It's just not something that they teach. Um, so I think that's really something I can imprint on them with my personal beliefs, um, so as soon as they're, you know, old enough and they want to start hanging out with, you know, Uncle Jacob, you know, I'm going to be like, let's go to the gorge. Let's go hiking. Like, I, do you own hiking shoes? Oh, you're into so much trouble. Um, and again, you know, I don't plan on doing anything super religious, but at the same time, you know, teaching them how to slow down. I think that's the biggest thing with people who are not pagan, who are not, you know, avid hikers, um, is learning how to slow down and just enjoy the nature around you. You know, so many people are so, you know, grab and go, grab and go. I mean, just like Sherd said, you know, before paganism, he never stopped and enjoyed the morning, you know, that he went to work. But now, you know, we can actually sit back, smell the air, hear the birds. And it, I mean, to us, that's religion. And I think, you know, Again, I don't need my nieces to be pagan, but at the same time, you know, I can show them my religion in a way that doesn't need a name. And I think that's one of the most powerful aspects of this faith. That's what I'm looking forward to, too. And my nieces and nephews, whenever they get older, if they ask me questions and, you know, because they're going to grow up going out to the logging woods with me and my dad, and my brother. So, you know, they're going to be in nature and go around nature and hunting and all that that we do here in our family but they're not going to have that same appreciation that I used to not have. And I want to give them that. You're going to let your family's going to let you hang around your nieces and nephews, even though you're Caleb the pagan. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. My, my sister's not too hot on the idea of me. And I told her that I'm not going to force my, my beliefs or anything on them. But if they ask questions when they're old enough, I'm going to give them the answers. And it's simple as that. Well, I think even in my my own like you know you know future children, you know my <laughs> the whole complicatedness of you know not wanting to impose my beliefs on my children because that's not you know I didn't want that on myself you know I didn't want my parents imposing Christianity on me I don't want to impose paganism on my children but I'm hoping that their dad being the wisdom of Odin really encourages them to also be pagan. Um, but at the same time, if they have questions about Christianity, I mean, I'll be like, well, go hang out with your grandmother, go to church with her and see how you like it. <laughs> and then, you know, I almost guarantee you they're going to come back and be like, wow, that was really boring. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, just the small things that you wouldn't suggest being changed uh, from paganism to Christianity is amazing. Like, like I said, from the appreciation of nature to the way I view the world, like there's so many little tidbits I can add on here as uh, wild and just different. So Ian, let's pass it off to you. What's another thing you wish you knew before becoming a Norse pagan? For me, it would be uh, the deities that I have come to work with the most are not the ones that I necessarily expected to be working with. Um, you know, I think coming into Norse paganism, obviously a lot more people under, like have a knowledge of Thor, Loki, Odin, Freya, maybe Freyr, Tyr, you know, stuff, those are the primary individuals that I think a lot of people naturally gravitate towards. Um, you know, for me, uh, initially I was early on working with Skadi just because of where I grew up being from the frozen 
wastelands of Minnesota, northern Minnesota, uh, you know, winter and that harshness was a very prominent thing for the majority of my life up until I, you know, joined the military and I got stationed in Florida. It was a completely different change, but I still tried to like have that connection to winter as much as I could. And then, you know, I didn't, I, as much as I had tried, like, yeah, I had some sort of a connection, but not what I had expected. And then, you know, now, you know, I am usually the go-to person in the community regarding questions with hell. It, that was not what I expected at all. You know, I expected to probably keep focusing on Scotty or even potentially Uller or somebody like that, more nature-based, um, you know, survival-esque uh, deities. Um, and yeah, now I, you know, I primarily work with the queen of the dead. Did not expect that, you know, like at all. And if people, you know, saw Super like, casual. Old, yeah, 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 exactly. And, you know, I'm sure if people ever saw like old high school photos of me back in my, you know, my chemical romance days, uh, they'd be like, yes, no, you were destined to be the edgelord kind of, you know, dark <sighs> nonsense, you know, but whatever, it's different. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, to me, that's one thing that I never expected. You know, it's, 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 or I think I wish, not necessarily I wish I knew who I would come into interactions with, but like, I feel like knowing, oh, how to put this, uh, I feel like, oh man, I lost my train of thought there just now. I threw myself Whoa. off. It's like, a, it's like a staircase, you know, you just keep climbing. Yeah, we don't, yeah, we yeah. don't <laughs> talk about, we don't <laughs> talk about the staircase. Well, I mean, we could, we could talk about how your old Discord name used to be Subba Scotty. You yeah, remember that's that, right. Jacob? Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah that, that, was was just... that feels like a lifetime ago at this point. Right. Right. Oh my gosh. And he had that I was like, who's the son of Scotty motherfucker? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that, dude. That was so. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, shoot, both of you guys, it was like, hey, we need to, you know, we want to do a gathering in Texas. Who do we trust? And it was like, we had that like Texas election or whatever. And like, you two were the, oh, yeah. the electees. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was yeah. like, I don't know who the hell this son of Scotty dude is, but he seems shady. <laughs> wow. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! But no, yeah. it, it is interesting to see like who you gravitate towards or who gravitates towards you. I think, and I feel like looking back on it, if I knew who I like the deities I was probably going to work with, I feel like I would have changed where that I had practiced early on. But obviously, you're not going to know that until it happens. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, just on that as well, it's like you know, back in the the early Discord days when we were still growing and thinking about Texas gatherings for the first time and whatnot you know and having you guys elected in you know it's like we didn't know both of you like you guys hadn't been to gatherings and it was like well we still want to make sure they we, we keep growing and so we had to put some trust in you know everyone choosing you know electing you to um so to speak in the small election you guys had but then you know you both came to the fall gathering which is again lunacy like you both drove across the country to come to a pagan gathering in Kentucky from a guy you met on YouTube. Like when you lay it out, it's crazy. Um, but I think that's another thing that is just an important lesson in paganism is just trust yourself, trust what the energy guides you to do. I mean, I've driven all the way across this country, not as far as you both, but I feel like I've driven more at this point, like just because of all the different gatherings I've gone to. It's like, I never expected myself to be driving to, you know, uh, Missouri. 
I never thought I'd go to Missouri, but we had our fellowship retreat there. You know, I've been to the Georgia mountains this year. I've been to, you know, I climbed a mountain in Tennessee, you know, I went to a gathering in Ohio and now I'm in Germany. And it's like all of this, because I just trusted myself. I trusted what the gods gave me and follow, you know, led me to, um, and obviously life has lots of twists and turns and, you know, not everything has been pleasant along the way, but still that trust, that faith hidden behind everything is something I think the world is desperately in need of nowadays. Yeah, I mean, life in general is chaos. You know, you never know which way the wind's going to blow, what's going to happen, where you're going to go. So you got to learn to live in the moment, especially as pagans. You know, that's like our deal is we live in the moment and go where we feel we're being led to go. I mean, like in theory, it's like this podcast, like none of us have an idea of how long this podcast will last. For all we know, this is our last episode, or we might do a thousand episodes. For all we know, we do this thing till we die. But it's like, we don't really think about that as pagans, I feel like, you know, that, and that's one of the things that I think is the biggest difference between Christianity and paganism is pagan, uh, Christianity really makes you think about the end goal of everything. What is your end goal in life? It's to be in heaven. What's your end goal in marriage? You know, blah, 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 blah. You know, that's what I feel like it really instills in you. But with paganism, I don't think about that. You know, I, I think about the moment right now is that we're on episode 41 of the folk podcast and, you know, we're one of the biggest pagan podcasts in the world. And that's awesome. And we are somehow just do this. We really don't know how. <laughs> we just, I mean, well, I, we just go with the flow. We go, like you said, we trust that energy. We, we know that we can make something and the gods can do something with it, or the fate will do something with it, whatever you want to credit that. Whereas, like you said, with Christianity and their whole theology and ideology is the end, the end goal. They're so focused on not even being in this world, really. When you come down to think about their beliefs, they just hope to live a good enough life so they can get accepted by the God in heaven and, and be brought into heaven that they're not even really focused on enjoying this life that they're so prepared for the next life. The original concept of the hall came about and I forget when I started saying until the hall, but it was pretty early on into the wisdom of Odin. Now I definitely still want to build a hall one day. I want to you know, do this, but you know, again, it's this transition of the end goal is that's no longer just the end goal. That might be a step along the way, but right now we're having pagan gatherings. We had pagan gatherings all last year. We had, you know, hundreds of people gather. We have, we've already had, uh, you know, right now there's an, there's a gathering happening right now. There's another gathering happening next weekend, another gathering happened a weekend after that, another gathering in July. And it's like, we don't need a hall for that. You know, we've managed to bring people together all around the world. And now we're talking about the first gathering in Australia. And it's like, we don't need an end goal for that. We've just taken this one step at a time on that staircase, man. That's all we've done. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I really do think that's the beauty of paganism is, you know, it, it, it leads to what life really is. Life isn't this big giant end goal thing. Um, and I'd rather live my life like this, where it's just like, I just take it one step at a time. I might have a plan, but plans change. Um, Ian, I forget, was that your point? I don't even remember who's what. I was initially talking, yeah, it was my like, big <laughs> part of my we like definitely <laughs> sidetracked a little bit from it, but yeah, yeah initially it was like talking, you know, about this, the deities that I never expected to work with, you know, and just in the Wow, that came from the deity Oh my gosh, I was yeah. like, man, I was sitting here like, man, where are we? <laughs> 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 
So one thing I actually did want to bring up, and it's, it's more of like a noticing is the cycles of life. And it really takes, a, I feel like a year to notice this. Um, and I'm still learning from it. And it's something that, you know, even though I practice for, I think like six years now, um, it, it took me a long time to realize is that the way the world works, this the seasonal cycle. I mean, obviously, if you live in a place that doesn't have seasons, this is harder to notice. And you should probably move to a place with seasons, honestly, like get out of wherever you are. Uh, because I think seasons are so important um, in the solstices. And that's why the, you know, the pre-Christian Scandinavian Germanic people had these holidays around the seasons. I mean, that's just what made sense to them. Um, but you know, each gathering we had last year was so wholly different. And I think it was because of the seasons and each gathering and each season, I felt something different. I felt different gods. You know, I felt, you know, gods like Odin more, the more deeper magic gods in the fall. Um, you, you know, Christmas time, you know, Yule time was so different. It was very ancestor heavy. Um, and then springtime, you know, it was the spring goddesses. Frere really came out. Um, and now in the summer, once again, you know, the, the sun becomes such a prevalent deity and maybe Balder. And then the ocean deities felt more prevalent for me as well. And so, you know, just recognizing those cycles and learning how to balance your path around them. Like, I'm not saying you can't give to Scotty in the middle of the summer, but like, it's a little harder, you know, like obviously you can go to a snow-capped mountain in the summer still and give an offering to Scotty, but you know, there's not necessarily going to be snow level around you. So that, that feeling, that vibe, um, and some would probably argue you couldn't give an offering to Scotty. She's not really going to listen. You know, she, she retreated back up to the mountains, you know, and I've even heard people share stories of how she retreats into the, the rivers and the lakes in the summer. And I'm like, Oh, that's kind of cool, kind of pretty. Um, but really paying attention to that recording, how you interact with the cycles, I think is important as well. And then not just the seasonal cycles, but like the moon cycles, what happens on full moons and noon moons. I mean, we really don't know what pre-Christian Scandinavian Germanic people did it during the full moon, but I think the entire world knows that the world gets a little weird during the full moon. And I think noticing how your own religious journey affects that as well is really important. Yeah, I, I can definitely agree with that because it's it's one thing that I, I myself have paid a lot more attention to, I would say, over the past year to two years, more so than, you know, earlier on in my practice. And yeah, being an individual that is not in a place that really has seasons, uh, it's, <laughs> I know, luckily, only a few more months, I'll be out of New Mexico, but uh you know, and yeah, it's it's one thing that I am actually looking very forward to is being back in a familiar area that has the seasons where I can feel that change, you know, where it goes from summer, you know, basically where I'll end up, it'll, it'll be around August timeframe, August, September, so right around that change from summer to fall. And, you know, that that one like day that you step outside and you feel like the temperature difference and you're like, oh, like fall is coming. You know, that is something that I'm, I'm looking forward to and getting back into my life because yeah, it definitely has a huge effect on a lot of things. And I feel like being in an area that doesn't necessarily have seasons has kind of clouded that to a certain degree or has made it more difficult, which is why, you know, going to gatherings that are in areas that are, you know, that have seasons and going during these different seasons has had a huge impact on, on that experience. So it kind of like gives me that that spiritual refill that I really need every now and then, you know, and then I can come back to this dreary desert that I currently live in. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I feel like just that appreciation for the cycles has, is 
grown exponentially over the last couple of years. And I'm very happy to finally go back to it. Yeah, I definitely agree with the season thing, Jacob and Ian, uh, because like I said in the Odin video or the video without the gods, the one that y'all are listening to the week before, um, whereas I haven't spent much time with Thor this year, you know, because usually that's who I work with in the spring and summer. And this spring, you know, spent more with like spring deities like Dionysus, Freya, Frey. And like you said, in the winter, I felt more of my ancestors, like my grandparents or my great grandpa that I haven't really connected to since I was a child because both I was little whenever all my grandparents passed away, but my two grandmothers. So uh, I definitely can feel the difference, especially now that it's summer, you know, Thor's coming around more in East Texas, you're going to feel the heat. So Suna, Suna is definitely here. And, uh, you know, you can really, really tell in, with the seasons that would change just how different your spirituality re- reacts to it, how different yourself, like your inner being reacts to it. Even like in a, a real sense as well. I mean, think about it. I even thought about this, uh, you know, when we began this episode is, you know, this is the second time we've recorded while I've been in Germany. And the, the podcast has been our weird like way to end weeks because we we always usually do it on Sundays. Sometimes we do it on Saturdays. Um, but when we do it every week, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's weird. It's like this capstone where, you know, especially here in Germany where I'm filming it at night, you know, this is the end of the weekend, you know. So I don't know. It's, it's so weird to recognize those cycles of things and those markers, you know, without time without clocks without calendars you know what would help people that you know in pre-christian times understand what time of year it was understand what month it was you know that's not something they see on their phone every day they don't see the time the clock you know shoot the vikings didn't have a clock they just knew the sun rose and it set and so i think that's definitely something we've lost with technology i mean we're more efficient now we're more on time but we're not as in sync with the cycles. And I definitely feel more in tune, even with the cycle of us doing the podcast, is it makes me reflect on the last week. And that's one of the things I really started doing early in my pagan journey was a moon ritual. I did a moon ritual once a month. On the full moon, every month, I did something. Um, It was a way to keep myself honest about my religious path, is at least once a month, I was outside looking at the full moon and doing something with my religion. you know, because we don't really have a Sunday. I don't want us to have a Sunday ritual every day. I, I mean, again, I think it's church every Sunday is an awful idea because it doesn't actually enforce religious roles. It makes everyone tired and bored of it because I don't have something to say every Sunday, even though we record the podcast every Sunday. But as far as like, I don't, I don't want to perform a ritual. You know, shoot, if I had to perform a full ritual for like 20 people every Sunday, I would shoot myself because that would be horrific. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, looking at it, you know, like you were saying, even the farmers, like think back to the farmers and how they got ready with their fields. They had to depend on the change of the seasons to know what crops to plant. But, you know, I, I look back and I think, you know, how did it, it was boring. It was dreadful, even as a preacher, you know, getting up, preparing, spending a week or two weeks on a, a sermon, you know, going through and, and, picking out whatever Bible verses you're going to use or whatever scriptures you need, uh, other references, you would spend all week on a sermon and then get up there and blow through this much notes in an hour. And then you go home. Then it was exhausting. You put in so much work 
and you don't want to change any lives. Like nobody really feels that they say they do, but you know, I, I don't think they did. I think people just become numb to the experience. You know, I much, I, I really enjoy having four moments a year. I have a strong religious experience because then I need like another three months, three months to process it. Right. And, and when you're going weekend or Sundays and Wednesdays and Sundays and Wednesdays, and then whatever other thing they do during the week, that's exhausting. You can't keep doing that. Your spiritual self needs rest time, needs downtime. Uh, like we were talking about in the podcast before this, you know, you got to have that. You you need those moments to help recharge yourself for the next big experience. Oh, man. All right. Are you guys ready to go down a rabbit hole? I want to go down a rabbit hole real quick because that's kind of sparked a difference in me. Okay, I'm excited here. So if you really think about it, the reason church is every Sunday and even on Wednesdays and Saturday services is because it's not a religion. It's a propaganda because they need you there twice a week, once a week, so they can keep forcing the propaganda down your throat. Because if they didn't do that, you would eventually break away from it. Oh, there's some, there's, I think there's some truth there. Caleb, what do you think? You think there's some truth there? I mean, there's definitely propaganda aspects in it. Uh, it just, it, it's a repetitive thing, man. Because Wednesdays usually just study the Bible. Like you, you do in-depth little studies, reviews and stuff. And then Sundays for your more spiritual thing. Um it just it, you just get numb to it, like you said. It's, it just weighs down on you. Like I, I got to where even as a minister, I hated going to church. I hated having to get off work, get cleaned up, and go to church on Wednesday nights. Uh, and then if you if I was a pastor of a church, I'd have to do my pastorly duties. I'd get off work, clean up, go knock on doors, go check on people from uh, the church and everything, go talk to some of their relatives. And then come home at nine, ten o'clock at night, and then eat something, go to bed, and wake up at four o'clock in the morning and do my regular job. It was just exhausting and miserable. So the other rabbit hole to go down here. So um, one of the things in the early, like, because paganism was relatively large during you know 1930s and 1940s Germany. We all know what happened during then. It was bad times, but it got roped into like the Nazi Party. And so it essentially became like it was this pure thing beforehand. And then they wanted to survive into Nazism. And basically they were told like, you know, if you want to survive, you need to become Catholic. You know, you need to become the answer to Catholicism because Nazism hated Catholicism um, or hated the church. So they, you know, basically told paganism, you know, you need to become the propaganda wagon. And that's what they became. They became propaganda for the Nazi party, which sucks. But the way they did that is becoming more like Catholic church. And they were like, you have to structure your sermons like sermons, like preaching, because that's how you're going to get people to join in. That's how you're going to get people to adhere to both your philosophy and the Nazi party's philosophy. Um, so, you know, to me, paganism doesn't fit into this propaganda thing. It doesn't fit into the sermon structure. And so they had to turn, change it to become that. Um, and, you know, ironically, they didn't, you know, Nazi party didn't even go with paganism. They went with a uh, positive Christianity, which was an inventive form of Christianity that they made where they like rewrote the Bible and did all this stuff. Um, you know, and I think the, the, I forget the name of it, but it was like the German, 
uh, like folk movement or something like that. I can't remember the name, but it ended up getting like 200,000 members or something like that. Um, and it was all because that's, they basically were just Catholics, but they paste, like plastered Odin's face on, you know, Jesus's face. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was my rabbit hole of like the difference between <laughs> religion and propaganda. Yeah, I think like for me, that like that little rabbit hole, like thinking about it, like for me, it's difficult to kind of like understand that because I never really was like a fully devout Christian at early any point in my life. Like the longest I ever went to church was when I was very young and I went to Sunday school. So essentially it was like free daycare, basically. Um, and I barely remember anything from that. Like I remember the the church that I went to. I remember it was a Lutheran church, but that's it. Like that's really it. Like yeah, I've gone to like church to appease my grandparents for like Christmas and and that's about it. You know, or Easter if we happen to be there. But like again, I don't really remember anything from it because. I feel like I wasn't necessarily because it wasn't such an adamant part of my life. So like, I feel like, you know, it's like the, the woke spirituality aspect of it. You know, like I didn't have that propaganda, like mindset, I guess, so to speak with it. So I think that's a really good final point to end us on here because we're getting close to the, the, the hour mark is something I think we've definitely talked about before, but I think definitely needs to be said again for especially our new practitioners in the faith is something I wish I knew before becoming a Norse pagan is that you need to completely forget everything you knew about Christianity and then come in Norse paganism because no matter, I, I feel like so many people, and I, I, have we done a full episode about this? I know we've mentioned it before, but people looking for the Christian equivalent in Norse paganism. Um, and again, I think it's all part of that propagandizing. You know, that you want to look for the one true God. You want to look for your holy book. You want to look for your saints. You want to look for your your sins. You want to look for your afterlife. And those really aren't things that are that important. Like even the afterlife. You know, yeah, you got Valhalla, but like it's not even that important. And I don't even think it was important to the pre-Christian Scandinavian people because it was such a, a, a it was such a done deal where it was like, oh, you die, you go to hell, no big deal. Like, and then we can talk to you later whatever <laughs> yeah we, we haven't really done an episode on it but i know we've talked about it and i've talked about it to several people in the discord and i've, I've gotten messages from people telling me hey thanks for mentioning this in the podcast because i didn't even realize i was doing the the similar things of christianity in this and it's something that you don't realize is because our country in america or really most of your modern day democracies were based and built upon judeo-christian values so even like when you go to school and even if your parents aren't really religious you still have these government facilities and different things in, in life that are based upon christianity that are indoctrinating you into that kind of mentality and faith and you have to really look at it and take a step back and and I've explained it to Ian before, it's, it's two different worldviews, two different mindsets uh, of whenever you you know, are a Christian and when you're a pagan and the way you see the world and the way you see uh, life in general. And I could, I mean, I could probably do a whole PowerPoint presentation on it, you know? Yeah, I think, uh, I think a good way of, I would say a good piece of advice as far as like individuals that are coming from say Christianity into paganism is kind of similar to what you were saying, Jacob, is forget, not necessarily forget everything that you knew, but like you have to come into it essentially 
as a new person. Like you, you have to do your best to not take the, the two and compare and try to replace certain figures in certain positions within those two religions because they are different to the point where like it just they don't really mix i mean you know what i mean like, mix. To, yeah so it's like oil it, and water yeah exactly yeah they are just two different densities basically you know it, it's i feel like that's something that is difficult for people to to do initially i think it just because you know you, you pretending depending on how long you have been a you know a practice christian or how you know devoted you were to christianity uh i feel like that's where individuals have a more difficult time with picking up christianity i feel like if you come from you were a christian for like so many years and then you ended up becoming like agnostic or atheist or whatever you know you you kind of branched out away from christianity as a whole or just religion as a whole um i feel like those individuals find it a little bit easier to fall into paganism or at least understand it and accept like the certain things for how they are because you have essentially wiped your your spiritual slate clean now individuals that are coming from you know like decades of uh being a practiced uh christian i feel like have it a little bit harder and you guys hear that annoying ian dog? do you have dogs how dare you how yeah. dare they bark during the podcast? God. Right. I think that's Pip, too. Yeah, he is. he's being a guard dog. Um, <laughs> you don't have to restart. Yeah. Good. Okay. But yeah, I feel like that's just, I feel like that's something that um, is difficult for individuals that are, you know, avid practitioners or previously avid practitioners of Christianity is because they, that, that comparison is just so hard to get away from because you are looking for that essentially like that spiritual replacement instead of wiping your spiritual slate clean and starting basically from scratch and starting over. Yeah, you, you really have to look at it a different ideology. You have to adapt a new way of thinking and a new way of looking at it. Like that's how I did it. Um, that's like I I struggled with it at first and whenever I became a pagan and stuff, and it was hard. But that was really when Thor and Odin were most prevalent in my practices because they were showing me the differences and stuff and, and how to be a pagan and how to do things pagan and how to think pagan. And, you know, I've, I've shared with you, both of you, like some of the dreams and stuff that I've had and like the turmoil within myself that I felt with it. And you really have to consciously take away that Christianity from you and, and look at it like, am I doing this a Christian way or am I doing this the pagan way? And, and that's like the two difference in your thought process that I had to have when I was giving an offering, when I was trying to communicate with the gods or out in the nature and trying to do something spiritual. Well, and I think that's also going into like one of the more common questions I get asked, you know, in general is when people are like, oh my gosh, I did something wrong. Is Odin mad at me? 
have I made Tyr mad at me? Is Loki mad at me? And it's like, I think a lot of this also comes from, you know, this Christian, you know, propaganda in the way this brainwashing is that you can upset God or something like that. And I, I'm sure some Christians would tell you, you can't actually upset God as well. But I think there's that fear of, did I do something wrong? So now I can't go to heaven. Uh, you know, right. is my is my soul in danger because I, you know, had sex before I was married? Uh, you know, I smoked the devil's lettuce. Am I going to burn in hell forever? <laughs> and so I do think that there is this this again this this back brainwashing where we fear upsetting our deity that it's going to somehow endanger us and that it's going to somehow damage us. You know, either now or in the afterlife, and that's not, really not something that we have evidence for you know, to suggest historically that the gods would ever seek retribution on somebody because they were upset at them. Um, but, you know, it's not something I've experienced personally. And what I've, you know, I think either any of us have really experienced is the gods being upset at us, you know, oh my God, you didn't give me an offering today. And you didn't say, you didn't say it in old Norse. Oh my God, you're not going to go to Valhalla now. You're such a piece of shit. <laughs> right, that's, that's actually the last bullet point I have written down when we were talking about this is, you know that it's okay to make mistakes with, with christianity you're so focused on trying to live and do things right be perfect and and emulate the christ figure as as close as possible that you're afraid of making mistakes whereas when paganism the gods understand they made mistakes they do things where they get angry they or you know humiliate put themselves in a situation where it's humiliating you know like we talked in the odin video about how odin was young and you came across that story how he got captured by a farm farmer wasn't it a yeah. hunter farmer yeah so don't be afraid to make mistakes you're going to you're human didn't expect a uh, guest appearance by willem dafoe you know <laughs> agent schmecker coming in <laughs> I, st I stuck drought near so far up my ass. <laughs> Every nine nights, they shit out nine more golden rings. <laughs> oh, I want to do so much censoring this episode. Uh, I'm on a warpath. I don't know. I watched Gordon Ramsay before I got on here, and now I'm like cussing. Yeah, but isn't the Gordon Ramsay in Europe more calm and like? Collected. Oh, dude, Gordon Ramsay, like this uh, UK version of Kitchen Nightmares, is so uplifting and just like, you know, he cares so much. And then he came to America and he's like, well, how do I entertain Americans? Well, I'm going to cuss a lot more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's a master of his craft. I'll give him that. Um, but gentlemen, you know, we're getting to the end here. Is there anything else you want to say before we end the show for our new listeners or our new pagans, our BB pagans? No, I said the one thing that, you know, is the most important thing, especially coming from Christianity, is don't be afraid to make mistakes. You're human. I think it's one thing that I mentioned in one of our previous episodes. Um, I think it's just a good idea because that way you can kind of keep track of everything. It's just have a, a like a, a spiritual journal, you know, whether it's you just write down every experience you have because then you can kind of see the progression of, of your spiritual growth and you can kind of look back at things and be like, okay, this worked for me i can either now advance on that or modify it you know and experiment with it a little bit more or if this didn't work for me how can i change it to be something that you know works for me or maybe i just go from a whole completely different idea i think that's one thing you know that i wish i had kept better track of starting out 
was just keeping a better track of my experiences. Because like now over the past few years, I have uh, one, two, three, four. I have about six or seven journals. No, more than that. I have like 10 journals, realistically, of like various things now that I keep track of because I wish I had done that in the past. I think that's one thing that's a good piece of advice for starting out and what I wish I knew as well. Yeah, I think, you know, to piggyback off that a little bit, I think, you know, I, I was even having trouble sitting here doing math or I forget it was like in the beginning, I was sitting here doing math. I'm like, how long have I been practicing now? Because, you know, I remember the first time I went into restaurant management training, the guy that was training me, he we got into the topic of religion. I was like, I believe in some really weird stuff, dude. <laughs> and like, that was years ago. Like, I think that was about six or seven years ago, because it's been a long time since I was a general manager of a restaurant, I mean, even longer since I did training. So I was definitely researching and interest even back then. Um, and I think it's really important, you know, you might not think about it when you're getting into your first offering, your first steps, but definitely write down those experiences. Like when you have like a, like a God experience, write that down. And so that way, what you can reflect on it. And also when you feel lost, when you feel lonely, um, you feel like you haven't had a religious experience in a while, you can go back to that journal from that first experience and be like, wow, that was a really powerful experience. You can live it again, or that was a really powerful ritual. You know, how, what can I learn from that ritual? Um, and I think that is the beauty of, you know, one, or you can either write, start a journal or start a YouTube page. And I feel like that's become my journal as well is, uh, you know, some of the videos I still watch the most are my, my gathering videos, you know, especially from last year, you know, even the first gathering, looking back and seeing how much the rituals have changed, um, but also knowing how powerful that first one was, you know, having a, a, the visuals of that. And in a way, it has definitely become the way I've documented my journey. I mean, truly, that's what the wisdom of Odin is. Um, so just find a way to document your journey. I think, you know, Ian brings up a great point with that. And I think it's going to be something that really assists you. You know, I mean, hopefully, when you become a pagan, your goal, you know, is to continue to do it. You know, we don't have an end goal necessarily, but, you know, it's religion. You should want to do it the rest of your life. And only, again, imagine what it's going to be like when you're old and gray and have a big bushy gray beard, or, you know, even the ladies have big bushy gray beards. And, you know, we just, we can look back and think, wow, my first offering was so simple, but at least you can look back. And that's, I think, a really important thing. Um, but gentlemen, I think that's good. I think we're, you know, ready to end this episode. Um, so instead of uh, Sherd mocking me, Sherd, why don't you give us the outro? Why don't you do it this time and say uh, what people should do if they want to get in contact with the folk podcast. All right. I'll give it my best shot here. If you would like to contact us or be a guest on our podcast and we read the emails, uh, email us please at the folk podcast at gmail.com. That is the folk podcast at gmail.com. Uh, okay, I'm glad I made you do that. All right, now, Ian, give us the until the hall. Let's change everything up. Until the hall. What was that? You what, have to do what? the build up. You have to do like thank them, thank them for listening, thank them for giving oh, us okay, an hour okay, of okay, their please, time. Please, please, you know, really yeah. like give them some foreplay before you just like cream all over <laughs> them. Jesus <laughs> Christ! All right, all right, all right. <sighs> thank you, everybody, for joining us on this episode of the Full Podcast. And until next time. And until the hall. Oh, until next oh. time, and until the hall, you're repeating until twice. Like, what kind of poet is know. this? <laughs> I'm not a poet. I don't do this. Don't Hello, thank you. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for joining us for the Folk Podcast, episode 41, where we're all getting slightly older and slightly more crazy. Um, if you want to talk to us again, please email us at the Folk Podcast at folkpodcast at gmail.com. And until the hall, skull. Oh. Oh. <laughs>